born to die He might give eternal life that I might live then rose again Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. Now take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. Just turn to your left. John chapter 13. There is an interesting little story that's given here. And this story is very, very important. In the book of John in chapter 13, they were going to have a supper. And so he says down here, if you look there in this verse, verse 4. Talking about Jesus. He arises from supper and laid aside his garment and he took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Well, if it's washing feet, he understood that. So there must be a a lesson to learn from that because Peter knew that he was going to wash his feet. And he says, you're not going to wash my feet. So he says there in verse 8, Peter said unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. (laughs) You have no relationship with him. But he says in verse 9, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Now, he was always jumping to conclusions. He was always the spokesman. And he was always saying something before he would think it through. Jesus then said to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. In other words, Jesus says, When you believe on me, you have been washed clean. Now, you don't have to have another bath. But as you go through life, and he's using this as an illustration, your feet come in contact with the dirt, and your feet need to be washed. So when you go to somebody's house, they would get down, and it was a custom, they washed their feet and dry their feet. But they didn't give them a complete bath, just wash their feet. So he said, you, you don't need another bath, you just need to wash your feet. And he says... If it's just a matter of washing feet, the disciples would see what they were doing. But he says, you don't get it right now, but you will later. So he says in verse 11, 
for he knew who should betray him. Therefore, he said, he, you're not all clean because you're talking about Judas Iscariot. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Do you know what I did? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Now remember now, he's demonstrating a thing called L-O-V-E, love. And he tells us, Disciples, over and over and over again, love one another, to love one another. And the biggest way you demonstrate your love for one another is learning to forgive one another. Forgive. Because you know everybody messes up, right? Except you. Everybody wrong, people, but you. And it's the most difficult thing in the world to say, I messed up or I was wrong. But everybody sins, and everybody in this life comes in contact with the the dirt of this world. So he says here in verse 15, For I have given to you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. I want you to do like I did to you. I washed your feet. I mean, here's the Lord, and he's the master. And if he can forgive us for what we do to him, Can we forgive somebody who wrongs us? Then he says here in verse 16, Verily, verily, I say to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now here's the problem. Majority of God's children won't do it. Take your Bible and go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And you'll notice that there's a a verse there that um, means an awful lot. It's just a couple lines, but, man, it says an awful lot to help every Christian. So we know that the book of 1 John is written to his children. And sometimes we, as his children, we don't always walk with the Lord like we should. And so if we was to walk in the light, then we don't get dirty. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then there's no problem. And you can continue to keep walking in the light. But because we have an old sinful nature, we also can get deceived and walk in the flesh. That means walk in darkness. It means walk after the old man, our old sinful nature. So he says in verse 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I got a simple little illustration here. I'm not very good on illustrations, but I want to say when you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Lord gave you a brand new clean plate. And on this clean plate, God wants us to desire the sincere milk of the word that we can grow thereby. And he wants to be able to give us a steak every once in a while so we can really enjoy the steak of the word of God. And so if we'll eat the right things, the plate never gets dirty. If we abide in him, the plate never gets dirty. If we walk in him, the plate doesn't get dirty. If we love him the way we're supposed to love him, the plate doesn't get dirty. But every child of God has an old sinful nature. And if we walk in the flesh, now let me show you where that is. Look there in chapter 2 and verse 15. 
Now we're told to love God. We're told to love one another. But here it says, love not the world. So the Bible tells us things to love, things not to love. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, get this, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we're living in this world, and it's so easy for a child of God who has this old sinful nature to fall in love with the world. And whatever the world has, we want it. And to be whatever I want to be, to accumulate whatever I can get. And so to do whatever there is that I want to do. And so that drive to, well, do anything that you want to do that's right in your own eyes, that pleases you, that makes you happy. So you can do that. But when you walk in the flesh, in the world, then you get the plate dirty. Now, the plate's still the plate, and it's just as real and just as genuine. But you see, whenever we mess up, because we're walking in the flesh, we're not loving God the way we should. First John 1 John 1.9 is a way to clean the plate. In other words, when you take the word of God and you apply it, I'm not going to pour this water on here, but just you get the point. The Bible talks about in the book of Ephesians about the washing by the water of the word. So when you take the word of God and you apply it, you'll find out that God promises them, Lord, because we're supposed to confess our sins. Call it, that, that was wrong. I walked in the flesh. I love the world. I love the materialism of the world. Whatever it is, that you know that is contrary to what God wants you to do, then you take and apply the word of God. And the Bible says, God is faithful and just to cleanse us. Cleanse us from all sin. Now, understand, I've had some people say, the only thing you have to do to be spiritual is just confess your sins and now you're spiritual. No, I believe that's heresy. Because, see, just because I cleaned the plate, but in reality, God cleaned the plate. He's faithful and just to forgive me because I walked in the flesh. I loved the wrong things. Therefore, I got my feet dirty. I don't need a complete bath. I don't get saved again. But I do need to clean the plate so that I can walk with the Lord. So that I can feed upon the Word of God like I'm supposed to. But cleaning the plate does not put anything on the plate. In other words, God wants me to bring forth the fruits of righteousness. The things that God wants me to bring forth in my life because I love the Lord. So just because I confess that I did wrong doesn't make me now doing right. Confessing my sin, that's the right thing to do. But it doesn't put anything on the plate. It doesn't build your life. It doesn't give you any fruit the Bible talks about that we're supposed to have. And so therefore, every child of God needs to realize it. Yet, the one of the best things that a child of God can do is admit to God when you're failing. And God says, he is faithful, he is just, and he'll clean the plate. Now you can start over again. You can always keep starting over. You see, if you used to serve the Lord 10 years ago and you haven't walked with him since... 
and you've defiled yourself and done things you should not have done and gone places and said things and all the rest of it, whatever it is, do you realize 1 John 1, 9 gives you a fresh start? And you can have that any time you want it. Just because you have fell in the mud doesn't mean you have to stay there. You can always get up, God forgives, and go ahead and serve the Lord. Now, because God does this for us, that's what Jesus was doing when he was washing their feet. They didn't have to get saved again, but he was cleaning the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And they can always be forgiven. Now, because God did this for us, we're supposed to do that for who? Who are we supposed to do it for? Everybody else. We do it because there's people who are going to wrong you. People are going to defraud you. People are going to say things against you. They're going to hurt your feelings. You ought to see the things that people write about me. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's a good thing that I don't carry my feelings on my shoulder. I get my feelings hurt. I'd want to say something back and get even with them. And I just smile because, Lord, they don't know. And then mind, they think they are so right. Just let it go. It doesn't matter. And I found out that uh, there's a way to handle all my critics. I'm just going to outlive them. But I found out that I'm, the longer I live, the more I get. So they're always going to be there. They're going to follow you to the day you die. So this is important to keep in mind. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Galatians in chapter 6. Galatians and chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Now look there in uh, verse 1 where it talks about brethren. So we know we're talking to God's children. He says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Well, that's the one who according to verse 16 of the previous chapter, walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right, here's somebody who didn't do that. They failed. They did walk in the flesh. And when you walk in the flesh, you're going to bring forth the works of the flesh. And if you look down there and say, well, what are the works of the flesh? I'm glad you asked. See in verse 19? Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, various simulations, wrath, strife, seditions, hate, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like. All these are the works of the flesh. That comes from your first birth, that old sinful nature. God never took that away from you. But God gave you a new birth and to indwell with the Holy Spirit. So that's why he says in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith, meekness, temperance. Against us, there is no law. There's no law against bringing forth these fruits, but there is a law against bringing forth those works of the flesh. So now a Christian has a choice. God wants us to walk in the Spirit and bring forth the fruits of righteousness. But because we sometimes mess up and we'll bring forth the works of the flesh. So the Bible says in chapter 6 and verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, that means they're walking in the flesh, ye which are spiritual, that's those who are walking in the spirit. You're not spiritual just because you confess your sin. Because you can live your whole Christian life, never do anything, and just keep confessing and saying, Boy, I messed up. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, what did, what's God going to reward you for? Keep saying you're sorry? There's no rewards for I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 
Forgive me my sin. Forgive me my sin. Forgive me my sin. No, he's going to reward you for your works. And if you didn't do anything, there's nothing to reward you for. And he says, if you love me, serve me. He doesn't say, if you love me, confess your sins. He love me. No, no. If you love me, serve me. So now, he makes a statement. In verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Moses. I mean, no feedback. I mean, sitting there with a Bible in your hand and I read it wrong and you say nothing. It's the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. You see, when we talk about when you're saved, God has given you liberty, freedom, freedom to choose to do right. Or you have the freedom to choose to do wrong, but you're free. And so you can make yourself a bond slave. That word is in the Greek, doulos, means a bond slave, a love slave of the Lord. Now look what he says here. In verse 3, for if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove or test his own work. Then let them have rejoicing in himself and not in another. In other words, don't be a joy moocher. So what's a joy moocher? Well, you don't have any joy of your own, so you just kind of try to rub it off against somebody else. And you think by osmosis it's going to transfer over to you. Well, if I hang around joyful people, I'll be joyful. Get your own. Get your own joy. Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you joy. You get it from Him. And you get it because you obey the Lord. So walk in the Spirit and you can have the fruit of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit is having the love you need. and The joy. You see... If you and I love the Lord the way we should, keeping the law is not a problem. If we love the Lord and love people the way we should, then we wouldn't have to have any laws. Why? Because we wouldn't be stealing. We wouldn't be coveting. Because we'd know we're supposed to love them just like I love the Lord. And because I love the Lord, the Lord loves them. So I'm supposed to love you because God loves you. It makes a whole difference in how you think about these things. Now, look there in your notes. In the little square box there, we do know that we know him can be explained in the following manners. We do know that we love him. But remember the statement. Faults are thick when love is thin. You see, when you don't really love somebody, you blow up their faults. You magnify their faults. True? Just think about it. That's how you, get a, you make a mountain out of a molehill. What's the difference between a mountain and a molehill? More dirt. Just more dirt. So we know that we fellowship with him. So when you say, well, I, we know that we know him. It means I know that I'm in fellowship with the Lord. I know that I love him. And I know that I abide in him. I know this. And see, you need to be able to discern this for yourself. This is learning and growing in the Lord when you know that you are right with God and nobody has to tell you that you are. But remember this, the Holy Spirit is a great comforter. But when you're not right, he makes you very uncomfortable. In other words, it kind of works on your mind. You know, you, I'm, I, feel, I, I don't know what it is, but I just feel so guilty. <laughs> Maybe you are. I feel so inferior. <laughs> Could be because you are. Look at the next statement. 
We abide in him and we know that we walk in the light. So there's explanations concerning that because we know we're talking to God's children. And it's so easy to say something that isn't true. That's why if you look there at number 11 in your notes there, he that saith, I know him. And in number three there, he that saith, he abides in him. And in number four there, he that saith, see, you can say it so easy. I'm right with God. And God says, you need to look at the word and listen to what I have to say. Now, this is the same thing is said in the book of um, Revelation in chapter three, when he talks about the church of the Laodicea. Because they say, I am rich. I have need of nothing. I'm prosperous. Everything is hunky-dory. Everything is great. Everything is wonderful. And he says, you don't see how I see. He says, you're naked and you're wretched and you, you got problems. He says, you need to repent. Change your mind. Talking to Christians. And then he closes out with that verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. That's the fellowship between you and your father. And it's not written on how to get to heaven. He's not standing at your heart's door and saying, if you open the door, I'll come in and save you. No, 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 no. This is already talking to those who know the Lord. And even when he talks in the book of Revelation in chapter 2, talking to the, the church at Ephesus, he says, you're doing a wonderful job. But I have somewhat against you. You're still doing the works, but you've left your first love. In other words, you're still going and you're doing, but you don't love me like you used to. That's when you, when you lose that love for the Lord and that love for the ministry and what you're doing, you'll be surprised. You'll be, all you see is begin to see problems. Things begin to irritate you. Get under your skin. So easy that you won't even know what's happening. But it can change your total outlook on life. Look at the next statement up there under letter B. What are his commandments? His word, however revealed, God's divine will. The law of Christ as revealed in Galatians 6, 2 that we just read. Love is revealed by hearing one's or bearing one's another's burdens. Specifically, it is 1 John 3, 11. Because right there in your notes in 1 John 3, 11, which goes to chapter 2 and verse 7 at the same time. These two verses go together. The old commandment to love was Jesus to his disciples, which they heard about, but was now written. And in this little quote I put down here in bold, the new written was the old heard. And it was written in the Old Testament, even way back there in the book of um, Exodus in chapter 20. Love God, love one another. The only problem was they didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. They didn't have the power to perform. But now that Christ has come, remember Jesus Christ when he was here? Did Jesus Christ keep the law? Perfectly. He was made under the law and he kept it perfectly. Now, did he have to do that to go to heaven? (laughs) No. But he fulfilled it so that the law could not condemn him. He had no sin. That's why he could become our substitute for us. Now, you and I, that we know Christ as our Savior, remember, your new birth has no sinful nature. Your new birth can't do anything wrong. Your new birth is not under the law. We're under the law of Christ, which is the law of love. And the law of love will cause you to do things no other man-made commandments or even the law of the Old Testament can make you do. 
you will take and do things that maybe somebody else won't do. Because your love may cause you to live a life that's a little bit stricter than somebody else. But don't condemn somebody else because they don't live on the same standard you do. Let a person live according to how much they love God. They will treat one another according to how much they love one another. But if you're a mean, angry, bitter individual, think of how you're going to treat people. That's what you're going to do. And you will reap what you, what you sow. You sow bitterness, you're going to reap a lot of it. See, regardless of what people say about me, I still smile. I still laugh. Because I know none of that's going to change me. I am the way I am because of me and him. And nobody can change that. Nobody can stop that. And so nobody can, well, they made me mad. Nobody can make you mad without your permission. They have to get your permission to do that. I just refuse to give permission. So that's what you got to think. But this book is so important. And so Wednesday night we will cover lecture message number five. And I hope that uh, you'll come and get that. If not just for the notes. The notes are very valuable. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We're all sinners. Means everybody does things wrong. You and me and everybody. We're all in the same boat. None of us are perfect. None of us are good enough to go to heaven. But the Bible says we've all sinned. And because we've all sinned, the wage of sin is death. We're all going to die. And we're all going to be separated from God forever. In a place called hell. But God says he loves us, wants us to go to heaven. But what's keeping us from going to heaven is he sins. Because, see, there's no sin in heaven. And we have to be perfect to go there. So how are we going to pay? We got a debt. And we committed the sins and we got to pay for it. This hand represents Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. He came into this world. He didn't have a sinful nature. So he didn't sin. Didn't do anything wrong. But he loves us. But he hates what we do wrong. So our sins, they separate us from God. So what Christ did is he took all the sin of all the world and paid for it on the cross. Came back from the dead and said the only thing we have to do to go to heaven is believe he did it for us. So simple. You don't have to stop something, join something. All you got to do is believe this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, means don't go to hell, but have everlasting life, means you get to go to heaven. The best news I ever heard in my whole life. And that was 59 years ago when my father-in-law explained this to me. Let's pray, shall we? With his bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward. I am going to ask you to, in just a moment, raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. I'm not going to embarrass you. That's why I do it with his bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, will you trust Christ as your Savior? If you're not sure of going to heaven, would you right now say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Because, friend, we all are. It's just a matter of it. And I believe that when Christ died, I believe he died for me. And I'm going to trust him to take me to heaven when I die. And, friend, if you would accept him as your Savior, if you'll believe it, He said, he that believeth to me hath everlasting life. He gives you eternal life right now, the moment you believe it. And if you'll believe it, you can know when you get up to leave, I'm going to heaven because tonight I trusted Christ as my Savior. I'd like to know if what I've said made sense to you. I'd like to have a word of prayer for you. So if you've never done it before, would you do it right now? Just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down and say, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. Just to let me know.
They want it all. If you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, then that means you're God's child. If you're God's child, this message tonight was for you. Love the Lord. Love one another. And we demonstrate our love toward one another by doing for them what he did for us. He forgave us. Learn to forgive others. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come together and to study your word. Bless each one here in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amazing grace amazes me. Dr. Arnold has many items to help you in your walk with the Lord, including videos, books, tracks, outlines to hundreds of sermons, over 4,000 radio messages, and preaching schedule. Once again, feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. That's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace. Amazing grace.